Plus, I got a two hundred dollar bonus. <laughs>
Um, anyway, thank you to those of you who are joining us online. If you have a special, couple special prayer requests, and you might add to the list today. Um, I want to pray for a young woman named Jessica, who is a client of the pantry here at New Heights and also has been connected with the Life Station. And she is she um, has recently moved to the Toledo area and has doesn't have her health insurance in place. She has government health insurance and that in place. And she has a blood clotting disorder. And she thinks she has a blood clot in her leg and she's losing sensation in her leg. So she's very concerned about what that might mean and also that she could get her insurance in place so she could get taken care of. And so I told her we would pray for her. And then uh, Anne, uh, at the loss of her husband, I think I got that right, and um, that's actually relative to family in the church uh, in Mississippi, and so praying for her, and um, yesterday was Tyler's birthday, and so he got old, Woo! Yeah, so he'll be driving the car in no time now, you know for a fact, absolutely, man, he'll be driving. he might be driving later today, he's, he's very grown up, he might be driving later today, you never know, so anything's possible. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my boss, her name is Christine, um, she has COVID in her household, and she has some very serious health concerns. So okay, so yeah. what's her first name? Christine. Christine. So we're praying for Christine. And now they have COVID inside their four walls, and she has very serious health concerns, which makes her susceptible to the outcome of that. We've been blessed that we've had a number of people who have had COVID, and yet everybody is healthy. So everyone, we, we haven't had anybody go in the hospital or anything like that. We, we have not transmitted it inside the church, praise God. But we have had a number of people in the church who have had it. And um, and so we're very blessed to be okay at this point. And so we are praying, obviously, for protection for those who have not had it. And for activation ministry of all God's people because this is the time. We will look back in history, uh, when this becomes history, at this day when we were fighting the first really out of control, if you will, pandemic. We've had others, right? This is not the first. There's been a half dozen to a dozen others. And we were dealing with it as a nation and as a world. And there will be those who say, why didn't Christians do more? Why aren't Christians more outspoken? Delivering the real medicine for the soul that people, people need, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I... Uh, we, we mustn't miss our opportunity. It isn't over. Be aggressive. Uh, don't be rude, but be aggressive in serving. So we'll pray for this, Christine, for Anne, for Jessica. Do anybody else have any other names they'd like to call this morning? Anybody else that's going through something? Um, I just found out this morning that my sister Connie, yes, her dad, is having open-heart surgery during uh, Christmas. During Christmas. That's great, Connie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll definitely pray for him. Well, heart surgery is a thing these days. There's a, a woman who wants to come to New Heights, and she may be watching a lot. I don't know. She's not super, super techie. Um, but she has had 32 stints placed in her heart. Uh, I can't think of her first name. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't think of her first name right this second. Um, but I was praying for her. Well, she's written down in my prayer log, but not, not apparently not embedded in my head yet. But anyway, she, they, they pretty much told her that they can't do any more open-heart surgeries or any more stents or anything, and it is what it is, and it will probably kill her if she has heart disease. It will eventually kill her. But in the meantime, she's doing fine. She feels healthy and strong as ever, and, and she's able to do that. Um, so, anybody else? And Yep. Oh, she's in the hospital with COVID now. She's not doing too well. Oh my goodness. 
Okay, yeah, that's Anne that we that I mentioned at the loss of a loved one, and now she's in the hospital with COVID. So yeah, so you kind of get the double, both barrels there. So we're gonna pray. All right, well, let's pray together, and then we'll worship some more, and we'll give God the glory, and we'll we'll hopefully hear and, and be affected by Him today. Okay, here we go. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for being the giving God, the loving God, the God concerned with our present circumstances, the God who promises that when we unite in prayer and lift our prayers up to you in the name of Jesus and believe that we have what we ask for, that you are there listening and you will give us what is best. And we pray, Lord, that you would do just that. We confess to you our weakness that we don't pray often enough, we don't spend enough time in our word, we don't spend enough time worshiping you. Um, Lord, we... We need to be driven and passionate and yearning for you every moment of every day. And the cares of the world seem to choke that out. And, um, and so, Lord, for those who kind of resonate or they feel like that's true, uh, we're repenting today. We're asking um, that these moments would honor you. Because this is all we got. This is right now. Uh, we don't have tomorrow and we don't have yesterday. We can't be filled with worry and we can't be filled with regret. This is your day. And so we want to submit to you. Thank you for being in our midst, for healing those of us who have been sick, for protecting those of us who have not, for um, giving us your word, for giving us the, the instruments and the instrumentalists, the vocalists and the lyrics, and this place, and this time to serve. And the list could just go on. If we just said thank you for everything, we'd probably just pretty much never get done. Um, thank you for Ty being older. Um, thank you for Ty being born. He is a powerful influence for you, both in the kingdom of God and in our church, and he is a friend uh, and a brother. And uh, there are others too, and uh, we don't mean to leave anybody out, Lord. So we thank you for every person that's here, every person that you have invested in, and that you're growing in this place and in this people. And then we lift up to you these concerns, Lord, today. We lift up to you, Anne, uh, with her heart already struggling, going through a loss, is now fighting this COVID pandemic. And it's hard to fight a disease when you're hurting emotionally. And so we're just asking you to lift her up and encourage her. And I imagine if it's like if it's like there, the way it is here, then she can't have people around her, humans to encourage her the way that people would like to. And so we need you to be present in the room. Send your angels, come yourself in your Holy Spirit, uh, however you decide to do it, Lord, and lift her up. Father, we pray for Jessica this morning. We don't know for sure. She doesn't know for sure she has a blood clot in her leg, but it's really been a problem. She's losing feeling, and, that, and it has such pain, tremendous pain, when she can feel her leg. And um, so we just pray, Lord, that you would heal her. And if she's dialing in, Lord, I pray that she's praying for herself and also for us right now, because even though she's in pain and suffering, um, Lord, uh, her prayers are just as potentially fruitful as ours are. So we, we lift each other up today. We pray for Christine. Uh, Lord, the COVID is in the house. And uh, there are believers in the house. But Christine, in particular, has health concerns that make her very susceptible to not doing well with COVID. And we pray that that would not be the case. That as you have healed some of us who are also susceptible, that you would heal her. And um, we pray that there would be much healing available. We pray for the coming of the vaccine. Uh, read some of the science on it, and it looks like it could all be a good thing. They have not cut corners, they have not done foolish things to get where they are, and we pray that that's actually true. We pray that it would be a solution to the pandemic. We know that there probably will be another pandemic, and we certainly know there will be another one when the time of revelation comes, um, as described in the Bible. 
And we probably won't be here to see that, and we're grateful. Um, but for what's coming, Lord, we pray for wisdom, we pray for discernment, we pray that government doesn't become too authoritarian, that we don't throw our Constitution out, um, Lord, but that we live as Americans, and more importantly, as Christian Americans, Kingdom of God folks, Jesus followers. And with that, then, we decide today to worship you. We pray for the, the man that RJ mentioned who will now be having open-heart surgery over Christmas. We kind of all get a little bit of open-heart surgery at Christmas as we remember that it's about giving, it's about loving, it's about caring about others, not about, about receiving or, um, or all the other things that we're wrapped up in. But he's going to have a physical open-heart surgery at the same time, and we pray that you'll just guide him through it. And then, Lord, the rest of our time here... Such as it is, with an inspirational moment coming, hopefully with folks ready to speak up and say what they've been reading or seeing or how God's been speaking to them. And then with their time and your word and the lesson that Aaron has prepared for the students and Alicia has prepared for the preschoolers. And I just pray, Lord, that this time would be all productive, all growth, all reaching new heights in Jesus. And we emphasize in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Could you stand with us and sing on these next few songs? Come on, we know this.
Uh, I don't know whether it's my selfish nature or what, but when I hear a song that is not Bible, it does register with me, and so I encourage you to pay close, pay close attention to the lyrics um, and what they say. Okay, so we're at that moment of inspirational reading, inspirational moment. Last week, I asked you to... Uh, to spend some time in your Bibles, to think about what God might have you share this week. And I told you we would open up the time. And so this is us doing that. Okay? I have one or two things, uh, both short, that I, two things, both short, that I would like to share. And then I know at least one other person does. So if, you, if you've been reading your Bible or doing Bible study this week, and you polish your thoughts right now as others are speaking, and then maybe in a minute you can speak. And that includes you kids. So if you've heard something this week um, from... Your devotional, which I hope you're doing a devotional. Parents, if you're not doing a devotional with your kids, I encourage you to do that. Because they won't do it on their own. They need you. And so, all right. So who's got something? I think, Arda, you have something? All right. Are you sharing a video or something? Yes. Okay. Um, so we're going to have a video. There's, I've heard this song and watched this video since it came out a couple years ago, probably well over 100 times. Um is probably one of the most powerful emotional songs I've ever heard. Um, just if you listen, you can hear the emotion in the song. But it brings to mind how, what, and mostly this is like for, I guess that's, I'd say the parents in the room, how what we do and the way we act can affect our kids. And especially over the last few weeks, since I've been spending a lot more time with my kids, I think in the last couple of weeks I've spent more time with my kids than I have since they were born. And for me, it makes me feel horrible as a parent because I realize like I'm not doing what I should be doing as a, as a parent, as an adult. So this song is what happens when us as parents get so wrapped up. I mean, it's, it, to me, anyways, this is how I see it. We get so wrapped up in our adult lives that we forget about our kids. We get so wrapped up in the things that we have to do and the jobs, the bills, the keeping the house up. We get so wrapped up in that that we forget about our children. And now this song speaks a little bit more on the addiction side and everything, but it's still... You can just hear the amount of pain that comes from what happens to an, a kid as they grow up and when they realize how they like how they've been growing up. I said this this is probably the most emotional song I've ever heard in my life.
talked about my music and I brought you something to listen to. You started crying, telling me this isn't you. A couple weeks later, guess you were singing a different tune. You took them pills for the last time, didn't you? They took you from us once, I guess they came back to finish you. Crying my eyes out in the studio is difficult. Music is the only place that I can go to speak to you. Because it has five lessons uh, 
that you have to do. And every single week that I had done the Bible study, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me through, to, through the material. And some of it is really super simple stuff that just a reminder like, hey, you need to pay attention to this. This is something clear that God said. And um, that toward the end of last week's study, as we were getting ready coming up to Tuesday, I think I finished like finished it on Sunday maybe for Tuesday's Bible study. Uh, what what this Bible study calls day 10, and it's in no particular order as far as I can determine, it says, uh, begin today's lesson by reading God's design in the margin. Talk to the Lord about His desire for your obedience that demonstrates your love for Him. You may use the opening prayer or pray your own. And then the verses in the side on the left is from John 14, and it's verse 15 to 17, 21, 23, 23, 24. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make I'm sorry, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. And then this is the opening prayer that he suggested. I don't know if I prayed this one or one of my own, but anyway. It says, Jesus, your words are clear. If I truly love you, I will obey you. I will keep your commands. The Lord caused me to know a desire to obey your will and then enable me to do it according to your promise, that you are the one working in me to will and work according to your good purpose. Of course, that's based on Philippians 2. When I read that, Okay, first of all, I totally get, I, told, I mean, all my Christian life, <clears throat> I've understood the concept of God wants me to do this. Okay, so I'm, I want to do this because I love God and I, I want to do it. But then sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I find myself doing things I shouldn't do and I go, oh man, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. And of course, when I do that, I confess to God, I feel convicted, I repent, I turn to Him again, and ask for healing and forgiveness, and He is faithful to provide it, and so on. The part of that that really caught me was actually, it's in there, you heard it, I heard it, it says, you love me, you will follow my commands, and I will send you another comforter. And I've heard that, read it many times, whatever, and I thought about how many people in the world talk about the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, coming and taking up residence in them, speaking to them, comforting them, guiding them, instructing them, talking to them what to do, helping them understand the Word and all of that. And all these are, which are, by the way, all things the Holy Spirit does, and He does more than that, while at the same time, they are not obeying God. Now, they know they're not obeying God. They're not doing what God would want them to do, but they're... They're, they're kind of living their way, or they're picking and choosing the things that they want to do and like that. And then they'll talk about the Holy Spirit. And then I ask myself, okay, so if God's Word says He will send another comforter, and it's contingent, essentially, it's not totally contingent in the fact that you don't have to be word perfect and everything absolutely right, but it's about our heart, and our heart must be to follow Him, and then God will send another comforter, which is the whole, referring to the Holy Spirit. So if you're looking for the Holy Spirit in your life, and you're claiming the Holy Spirit in your life, but you're not obedient to God, then... What is that? What is that that's actually in your life that is supposedly providing you this comfort, this guidance, etc.? I'm not saying I know the answer, 
But this much I, will, I know for sure based on the text and based on what, I, what the Lord was saying to me as I was praying that prayer, I felt like that I was discovering again, and that is that if you love the Lord and are obedient to Him, then you can kind of claim the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and He comforts you, and He heals you, and does all those things. But if you do not, if you are not obedient to the Lord, then it's kind of like when a man says, well, I love my wife, but he treats her like dirt. You know? And really, you're just saying that in the hopes that she won't leave you because you're too stupid to treat her with the respect that she deserves. So you're just saying you love her, trying to get around it. And so you're doing the same thing with God. You're just trying to say you love God and get around the fact that you're not actually following God, not actually obedient, you know what God wants you to do. Jesus said, you love me, you'll obey my commands, and I will send you another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And so, you know the Holy Spirit in your life, I'm not saying you can get away with legalism and say, okay, Jesus said do this, I'm going to do exactly this, and that that will cause the Holy Spirit to come. No, He will send another comforter, trust in the Lord, um, and God will do it. But the point is, if you're not being obedient to God, you need to repent and turn to God and be obedient and do the things that God wants you to do. Not because He'll send you another comforter, although that's true, but because you love Him. And when I ask my children to do something, and they don't, I feel disrespected, I feel dishonored, I do not feel loved, I do not feel like they are kind, and they, I do not feel like they are the people that I thought they were, usually, um, when that happens. Which, thankfully, is rare. But if, that is, if that's the way it is, then when God does that, when God has given us something to do, and we don't do it, that's how He feels. And we can trust Him. He never asks us to do anything that we shouldn't do or that will be bad for us. So that came from Return to Me, the Bible study that we're doing for Tuesday night. That was actually day 10, it's five a week, and then we meet on Tuesday night to basically talk about what we've done and delve into it a little bit deeper. It's been pretty good so far. I encourage you to pray for that group because we have had some kind of outpouring of God's Spirit in there, and we've been repenting of some things that we've discovered about ourselves. And um, it's a powerful group because God is in us. But at the same time, it can be, it's heart-wrenching sometimes to realize that you've blown it. You've not done what God wants you to do. And you've never repented. All right? Who else? Is there another in the house? Aaron. So, this morning, actually, I was sitting in my car, and I just, I just felt, like, really anxious, like something was, was, like, really wrong. And then, and I don't know what, and I was just sitting there, and then I just suddenly felt fine, like, felt a way of comfort and wash over me. Like felt the Holy Spirit, like he's that feeling or whatever. And then just a minute ago, I was sitting here and I felt like led to open the Bible up on my phone, and then I pressed on the search button and found all these fancy And then at the top, they give you recommendations. And the first one was, "What does the Bible say about peace?" And I pressed on that, and then the verse that came up was. Philippians 4, 7, which was, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so, all, like, all I can think of is that I just, I didn't ask for help, I didn't, I didn't instantly pray, like, feel comfortable, but um, in that moment when I needed it, Just in time to deliver. He is there. Always meeting him. That's good stuff. Anybody else? 
once. Pray twice. Alright, so we're going to pray together at this time. We're going to ask, uh, let's see, Montel, Brother Ryan, would you pray for us and then we'll be tithing and offering and worshiping and going to the Word. Dear Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for uh, bringing us into your house, Lord. I pray that uh, the instruments, the, the music, the singers in the congregation, the, the singers on stage, anybody here that is singing your praises, that that this sound will be pleasing to you, Lord, that you would look on us with favor. Um, Father, please bless us. Help us learn your word in a new way today. Help us to understand the message that is brought here. Um, I pray that you'll unlock that wisdom in our hearts. Father, please uh, take these tithes and offerings and bless them and use them however you see fit. Guide us and lead us in a way that uh, we'll know and understand what these tithes and offerings uh, have to do with your plan. God, please uh, be with us the rest of this day as we go from this place and uh, keep us in your heart and in your mind. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
All right. Different is kind of cool. I was uh, watching a video about an off-roading team, and I watched this SUV come over this cliff edge. They got right up to this cliff edge, and it was all mud and dirt and whatever. It wasn't like rock, you know, a mile above the uh, quarry or something. But it was a, this cliff edge made of mud and dirt, and they, they brought this SUV up to the edge, and they had, like, tires up on top and stuff. And they kept inching forward, inching forward, inching forward until at some point they would get past the tipping point and they would drive down this slope. And the slope was like this, you know? And I'm thinking, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. They kept inching forward to the edge. They're going to go down the slope into this mud pond, basically. And I guess this is a thing that people do. Extreme off-roading, mudding, going off-road. This is different. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. That's it. People think it's a lot of fun. Different. It was a lot of fun. Um, there was a high school football team, and uh, they had the ball on offense and received the hike, and it was a handoff to the fullback or halfback or whatever, and as the handoff was executed, it, it didn't work. They, the, guy, the fullback or halfback didn't wind up with the ball, and instead the ball squirted out onto the ground, and the quarterback danced around him and tried to dive on top of it, and it, it skittered away, and then there was this kind of mounding up of people, about six or seven players, and they were all trying to get the ball, and everybody's trying to dive on it. And the ball, and uh, coming out of that pile comes this guy, and he's got the ball loosely held in his hands, same offensive team, and he's running toward the end zone. And then as he starts to go, he gets hit, and as he gets hit, the ball pops out, and it's on the ground again. And by the time they were done, the offense fumbled the ball like five times. However... They wound up with the ball in their hands and made it across the end zone, in, uh, made a touchdown. And they're hooting and hollering, yeah, we're ahead, and they wound up winning the game. And then before their game the next week, which I think was a playoff game, before their game the next week, they were called in to review game film and to talk about the play. And they were super stoked about the plays that had taken, not just that play, but the plays that had taken place and how they had won the game and they were in the playoffs and they were moving forward and so on. And you know, a lot of people were really excited. That's a pretty cool play. The ball's bouncing all over and stuff like that. Different is fun. When I was in high school in the 80s, um, there were some kind of newish bands that were coming out. Rock bands and punk bands and and, uh, they were different, you know? And everybody in my high school, just about 80% of them anyway, were getting into these different bands that were like rock and punk and steampunk and what, I don't know, all these different kinds of things. And they were relatively new kinds of music. And even today, the, most of them still exist. And people are, some people are into those bands or those types of bands. And that's the only kind of mis- music they'll listen to because different is fun. Today, we're going to talk about a different road home. We have... Uh, been going through the book of Isaiah, uh, looking at prophecies that Isaiah gave us about after Jesus, or when, and we began with when Jesus would come, and then from the moment of Jesus' coming, we talked about last week, after impact, how after Jesus would come, things would be different, and what that would look like, and we're doing that again today. As we approach the day that we celebrate Jesus' birth, and I say that particularly because most likely not born on December 25th, um, but as we approach the day that we celebrate his birth, uh, 
Isaiah was doing the same thing. Even though for him it would be hundreds of years and he was long gone and probably in heaven way before that would ever happen, he was looking forward to the birth of the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Son of God, as he knew him. And, And probably, if he understood his own prophecies even reasonably well, he knew Jesus better than anybody in his day, if that's true. And so we're looking at those prophecies by way of saying, okay, now that Jesus has come, or uh, what was it like to anticipate his coming, and then what would it be like now that he has come, okay? So grab your Bibles with me, if you will. And I have my Bible up here, and then I also have a little electronic version here that goes like this. I go like, yeah, there's the Bible right there. Pretty cool. And um, so grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Isaiah chapter 35. Amen. Amen. This is God's Word. We will only read a small excerpt of this. And the prophecy sort of ends, if you will, uh, Isaiah's prophecy sort of ends at the end of 35 for a while, and we get some history. But uh, this prophecy that we're going to read from is really tied back to all the previous chapters for many chapters back, and they are the record, back through like 26, I think it is, and they are recorded prophecies of Isaiah and largely about the coming of the Messiah. I'm going to read just a couple of quick excerpts from earlier in the chapter, and then we're going to focus on just verses 8, 9, and 10, okay? And so, for example, it says in 35.1, um, The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And so that's 35, 1 and 2. And so basically understand that this is saying that the whole world would, the whole world, it's as the creation, the earth would rejoice, would recognize that because of Jesus' coming, there is something special. Verse 3 says, Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. All right? And so we know that these are messianic prophecies. We know that these are about the coming of He wouldn't know it was Jesus, but we know it's Jesus, about the coming of Jesus. And now we're on to verse 8. Okay? I'm going to break this down as we go through, and then I'm going to come back for three. And I think, I think the text. This is one of those texts that almost speaks for itself if you understand what he's saying. Um, so, but then I think the points will help bring it home. It did for me anyway. All right. So verse eight says, "And a highway will be there." So it's been talking about the condition of the earth after the coming of Jesus, and it says, "And a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called." The highway of holiness. All right? And so whenever you see the word holiness in the Bible, you're talking about differentness. Remember we said different is fun? Except a lot of times we think about holiness, we don't think of it as fun. All right? So this road would be different. That's what he's saying. And so this is about, being on that road is about being different from the rest of the world, if you will. And this highway exists in the world. It says, the unclean will not travel on it. So, whenever you see unclean, especially in the Old Testament, but really it's in the Old Testament, the New Testament as well, the word was used differently, and I'll explain in a second a little bit by culture. But in the Bible, when you see unclean, you realize it means not useful to God. So, those who are not useful to God will not be able to travel on the highway that would be there, which Isaiah is referring to as the highway of holiness. Okay? So, the world began to use unclean to talk about things like sickness, 
or their best understanding of germs and like that, right? So lepers, when they go down the road, a group of lepers is traveling, they come on a group of other people, before the people would hail them or come up to them, they would say, unclean, 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 right? And so it had, just like today, so if you had COVID, for example, and you came into a room of people, you didn't know who had COVID, whatever, you'd wear your mask, but knowing that your mask is probably not completely going to protect them, you would keep your distance. And if they tried to approach you, you would say, COVID, COVID, wait, COVID. We get people who get delivery at the life station and they tell us they're COVID positive, And so we don't have any contact with them. We just take it, put it on their porch and we leave because that's not appropriate to spread your uncleanness. Culture adapted the term. God uses the term unclean to mean not useful to him. Right? Then we continue. But it will be for him who walks that day. That means the road will be for him who walks that way. I said day, but it's way. But it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. So in other words, the road will not be for the unclean. It will be for the different. As the road is the road of holiness, the people on it will be a different people and the road will be for them and a fool will not wander on it. So I've got to stop and talk about being a fool for a second because I have felt the fool many, many times in my life. I have been fooled, been fooled again by the same person. So what is it to be a fool? Biblically speaking, to be a fool is to know better and yet not to enact what you know. Okay. So this is not about being stupid. It is not about being ignorant. It's not about being young or naive, right? To be a fool in this sense is to be somebody who knows better, who has the option, if you will, of doing better, making the right choice, getting the help that they need or getting on the right course or putting something away or adding something to their life. They know enough to do that, but they choose not to. And so Isaiah says this road of high, this highway of holiness, fools will not wander on it. And that concept of wandering onto it would be like if you're just going, going along and all of a sudden you just kind of mistakenly step on the highway of holiness and say, oh, this is a nice smooth road and start going that way. That's not the way it works. You can't stumble upon it and go, oh, this is good. All right? A fool cannot do that. A person who does not know or a person who knows what's right and does not do it cannot stumble upon it. Okay. Also, it would mean that you can't stumble on and off it. So you can't get on it for a second. If this is the pathway that is the road and you approach the road, you, you just cannot enter the road. It's not possible. It's not, you can't cross the road and go, oh, hey, there was a road back there. Okay? A fool is not able to discern the road of holiness, the highway of holiness. Meaning in a sense that they don't know that it's there and they will not, in their own choices, by the, left to their own ends, stumble upon the highway. Okay? Some years ago, uh, my friends and I, we were going to a convention in Milwaukee, and we went through Chicago. And we did, neglected to buy gas before we got in Chicago, so we got there and went, oh, the needle was on E, and it was late. We had decided to drive at night, about 2 o'clock in the morning. And so we got off the Skyway, if you know what I'm talking about in Chicago. It's, it's, a, it's an expressway that goes up over the city. And it's limited access, extremely limited access. You can get on on one side of the city, you can get off on the other side of the city, but you pretty much can't get off in between. Very limited access. And if you get off in between, you can't get on. There's nowhere in between from here to here to get on. You can get off to go home in a few places, but you can't get on. And so we got off the Skyway to find a gas station, driving around 2 o'clock 
2.30 in the morning looking for a gas station. And finally, after quite a bit of searching, we found a gas station. It wasn't the greatest gas station in the world. It had bulletproof glass. It was like six inches thick. It had an armed security guard with a gun outside. And it looked it was kind of beat up. And it was all dirty, nasty and stuff. And we got our gas. And so we realized as we got our gas that we were in a part of town that we really didn't want to be in. And as we left that gas station, you, as you can imagine, the first thing that we tried to do was get back on the Skyway. And that was the first time that I figured out that you cannot get on the Skyway from Midtown Chicago. So we had to drive and pick our way through city streets and follow a state route and like that and get, get through an industrial area and everything else to get over to where the Skyway ended, where we would have been perfectly safe on the Skyway and cross town in like 20 minutes. It took us two and a half hours. First almost hour of it was finding a gas station in Midtown because apparently... And that, that gas station didn't look like a very good gas station for a reason. They don't have many gas stations, or didn't back then. This is the 19, early, uh, late 1980s. Didn't, it, there were no gas stations. We found one, got our gas, wanted to get back in the sky, we couldn't do it. And then it took another hour, over an hour, to pick our way through the city. We didn't have Google Maps. We didn't have electronic navigation. We didn't have a GPS. Um, I don't even think, I think we did have a map, a paper map that you can fold out and it become really big like this. And we found ourselves on the map eventually, but at first we didn't even know where we were at on the map, right? Bottom line is, a fool will not wander onto it means it's built like the Skyway. There is no way for you to get on it by a stupid mistake. It has to be an intentional, we call it a decision, but it has to be an intentional getting on. But remember, a fool is somebody who knows that, it, that they can, potentially, but chooses not to. And it says a fool will not wander on it, can't happen on it by accident. Verse 9 says, no lion will be there nor any vicious beast go up on it. Okay, And so, if you can understand in spiritual terms, essentially, he's not talking about a literal lion. He's not talking about a literal vicious beast. So if he's not talking about a literal lion or a literal vicious beast, or I even submit to you a literal road, if this is all figurative and prophetic language, then what do you think he's talking about when he talks about a lion or a vicious beast? Not a rhetorical question. Evil spirits and demons. So he says evil spirits and demons cannot go up on the highway of holiness. So that makes sense because they don't belong there, right? That's not their place to do that. They're not redeemed, as we'll see in the next half of that verse. But it says, these will not be found there. So now I have a problem. Anybody else have a problem? This is what the verses just told us. That once Jesus comes... If you are actively following Jesus and traveling the highway of holiness, just exactly how much will you be affected by demons and evil spirits? Not very much, because they can't go on the highway of holiness. Now, if you get close to the edge of the highway of holiness, speaking in figurative language, but if this is the highway of holiness, and you get over here and you're walking the edge, they can't come on, but it doesn't mean they can't speak to those who are on, right? And I guess if I was them, I'd be sort of clinging along the edge of the highway of holiness, looking to see if I could get anybody to come off. You follow? He said, and I'll repeat it again, these lions, no lions will be there, nor will any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there. And then the last part of the verse says, but the redeemed will walk there. Do you remember that terminology from last week in our sermon? The redeemed will walk there. This is what the highway of holiness, the different road will be for 
for those who are redeemed. Now that is accomplished through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on the cross for sins, rising again on the third day, testifying to the possibility of redemption. Jesus paid the price so that we don't have to. And if Jesus has paid the price for everybody, and you learn that fact, you embrace that fact, then you can be born again. That's John 3. And you can be moved upon the highway of holiness. And whether or not you stay there, whether or not you tarry at the edge or stay in the middle where you belong, whether or not you interact with the lions and vicious beasts that cannot come on the highway of holiness or not, that's all up to you. But the redeemed, those who love Jesus, will walk there. Holiness, difference. But the redeemed will walk there. Last verse. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. In verse 10. And the ransomed of Yahweh shall return. It may say in your translation. The ransom of the Lord will return. In other words, you know that those who are redeemed who are on the highway of holiness are going to have an end destination. They're going to come back to God. They're going to go where they belong. And it says, and they will come with joyful shouting to Zion. And Zion has always been a picture of heaven, symbolically speaking. So with everlasting joy upon their heads, they will find gladness and joy. And if it stopped right there, then everything about this prophecy would be stinking awesome. Get saved, get on the highway of holiness, and life is sweet sailing straight into heaven through the narrow gate. I love it. That's awesome. Except it doesn't stop there. He says they will find gladness and joy, and then he ends with this thought, that as they find gladness and joy, as they enter into the heaven... Sorrow and sighing will flee away. And so if when you get there, when you arrive at the place where you're going, sorrow and sighing will flee away, then that implies what about the highway of holiness? That there will be sorrow and sighing on it. Right? We are still well aware of what is going on around us. You're still involved in the workings of the world and so on. You're just not part of the world. And so when we get there and gladness and joy will be ours for eternity. That will be the end of the sorrow and sighing. Revelation says that um, God will wipe away their every tear. And we think, well, why would there be a tear in heaven? Well, there may not be. It may be that there is no tear in heaven, only gladness and joy. But some will come into heaven with the tear already in their eye. That may be what it means. I often say it this way. I say, when we get to heaven, even if there should be a reason for you to cry, God himself would wipe away your tears. Okay, so Isaiah saw the coming of Jesus, saw that the coming of Jesus would institute a pathway, would mark out and make clear a pathway upon which some folks would not be able to tread and others would. And the dividing line would be those who walk the pathway. The redeemed will walk there. Okay? Alright, so the first thing I want you to see in here, and that really touched my heart, really I think is important. In fact, I've spent time meditating on this in the past, as on this passage of Scripture, and again this week, is that being on the highway is largely about knowing the difference. 
It's largely about knowing the difference. Well, it's about knowing the difference between being on the highway and not. So we have to figure out how in our lives that we can come to the moment in time and say, okay, well, this action, this me, this thing that I'm doing puts me on the highway of holiness. Well, if I would make this alternative choice, that puts me off the highway of holiness. Now, a fool has a hard time doing that because they look at this and they say, well, okay, I'm going to be different. And so what they do is instead of becoming a Christian, because that's not technically different to them, they say, well, there are thousands or millions or hundreds of millions of Christians in the world. So me becoming a Christian and a follower of Jesus, I don't see that as different. So instead they go out and they become something like goth or uh, sneaking around and getting sexually active as a teenager or whatever, because that's different, right? No, it's not. They do something that's different from what they were yesterday or what their parent, what they think their parents were or whatever. Have you ever known a teenager that was rebellious? <laughs> is that different? That's not different. Being a rebellious teenager is not different. It's the same as every teenager. I was watching a movie this week and uh, a series, actually, I'm sorry, series on Netflix this week, and the boy was talking, and he's the odd man out, right, in his high school. He's the one that people don't really um, take a liking to or whatever, and he's kind of off by himself, and he said, he said, it's funny, I, um, I guess I like taking pictures of other people better than I like talking to them, because a lot of times when you talk to them, they basically lie to you about who, who they are. So, but sometimes, if at just the right moment, you take a picture of them, you can see something about the way they're acting, the way they're conveying themselves, whatever, what they're actually doing, that really, say, you can find them in a picture, where so often you can't find them in what they say. And he was talking to this young lady who was becoming rebellious and sneaking around behind her parents' back. And she she was kind of against her parents or agitated by her parents' existence because she couldn't figure out why her parents got married. Her dad was a professional, had a bunch of money and, and like that, but she couldn't figure out why her parents got married. She said, I don't think my parents ever loved each other. And they're living on a cul-de-sac in a nice house in this middle-value middle, uh, town in the uh, state of Indiana. And, um, and she's like sneaking around behind their back and stuff and she's begun to sleep around, you know, become sexually active against her parents' wishes and stuff like that. And he says, this is what I, don't, this is what I see. I see a teenage girl that's rebelling against her parents and doing what her parents wouldn't have her to do and then eventually is going to get hooked up, either knocked up and pregnant or hooked up with a guy and that's going to be the guy that she's going to spend the rest of her life with and you're going to become exactly what you see in your parents that you never wanted to be. So this is what we do. Because different is cool, we rebel against what we see, and we become something else, which actually winds up making us exactly what we were rebelling against. That's what fools do. In all their efforts to try to be different from what they don't want to be, they wind up being exactly what they want to be. There's been a lot of comments about the politics and stuff of the last election. And uh, one of the things that actually proved true, and I'm not saying anything about any candidate... Uh, or anything, I'm not political by nature, but one of the things I thought was kind of interesting was about how people would find fault, one party or one candidate finds a fault in somebody else, and they say, well, that, that person's saying this or doing this or whatever, and they're picking on them about what they're doing. And then that person would hear them picking on them about what they're doing, and they would say, oh yeah, that person's doing this, and they would lay it out. And guess what the two lists were composed of? The exact same thing. They would say, well, you're doing this. 
And these are the wrong things that you're doing. And then the person will say, well, you're doing this. And they're the same things. They're accusing each other of the same things. And I started thinking, well, is that true? Can it be true? It is true. The world is full of liars and thieves and scoundrels, adulterers and lusters and, and angry people and bitter people and people who are sneaking around behind people's backs. And if you get right down to it and make a serious analysis, none of them are any different. Now, they're all unique in the way they approach what they're doing. I get that, but the truth is they're not different. Becoming a Christian, then isn't really being different from everybody else either. Nor are we called to be you, the, the way you are you, uniquely different from every other human being that exists. That's not what it means. Remember I told you holiness is about being different, but you know something more about holiness than that, don't you? Who's holy? Who is ultimately holy? God, right? So it's not just being different. It's about being different in the way that God is different. That's holiness. That's why Peter could say, be ye holy as he is holy. See, we're supposed to be different from the world, but we're supposed to be different from the world in the ways that God is different from the world. If you seek out and try to be different from the world in the ways that other parts of the world are different from the world, then you're not different. You're just like the other parts of the world. You're doing it the same way that some other generation, somebody else before you figured out to be different from the people around them and wound up just creating a new version that is replicated in the case of Goth, for example, the last time I checked my stats, which was like a year ago, a year and a half ago, there were 12 million Goth people in the U.S., but they're all different. Uniquely different. I'm not like the world. I'm Goth. Or whatever. And I'm not saying anything against anybody who chooses to be Goth, but the bottom line is whatever you choose to be, you're going to wind up being just like somebody else. You may as well choose to be just like God. Which is what we were created for. To be different from the world in the way that God is different from the world. Getting on the road to holiness is like that. But the fool has a problem with it and the unclean have a problem with getting on it. They can't even find it. So if I would say, I just decide to be like God, I'd blow it a hundred times over. The truth is, I had heard of God when I was very young. I went to church for five months when I was in, uh, about six years old. Um, before my aunt uh, attempted to commit suicide and killed my two little cousins who lived less than a block from us. It was a horrible, horrible time for our family. And she said, I can't raise my children. So she, she killed them both and sent them to God and then tried to kill herself to go there and be with God too. She was nuts. Everybody knew she was nuts. She wound up in an insane asylum. And so because of that, you know how it is. If she's nuts. Other people in our family are probably nuts too. And my mom thought that everybody thought we were nuts, and so we couldn't go to church anymore. I didn't learn much about God, but I, I began to believe that God was real. When I was 12 years old, I went uh, with my brother to, and my parents to the Lucas County Fair and went into a prayer tent there, and the guy said, this is true about Jesus? And I said, yeah, that all makes sense to me. I want to believe that. And he's trying to drag me back in the corner to kneel down on some muddy cardboard, or less muddy than the muddy ground anyway, and he said, we're going to go back here and pray right now that, you, that you're accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's trying to drag me one way. My brother's trying to drag me the other way. And I wanted to believe in Jesus. I, I tell you, I probably did believe in Jesus. I certainly believed in God. And my brother's like, if you don't come right now, mom and dad are going to 
be really mad. And I said, I got to go. And the guy let go of my arm and he drug me out of the tent. And I didn't become a Christian. Didn't start living for the Lord. Didn't get put on the highway of holiness. But I knew, in fact, if anything, I think I got better at lying after that. I got more manipulative after that. I hid more right in plain sight after that. There was a young man that went, lived on my block and went to my high school. I know, junior high. I was 13 or so, about a year after that incident. And he shared the gospel with me on the bus, on the school bus, on the way to school. <laughs> I was basically saying, you're an idiot. I can't believe you believe that. So I know that whatever happened to me at the fair didn't translate into something there because I was telling him how much an idiot he was was being, that he would submit himself to something bigger than himself, that he would become a servant, a lover of people, a lover of God. See, we fools, we unclean folks, we can't even find the road. That's why we need to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Do not marvel, I say unto you, you must be born again. In other words, you need your feet picked up from where they are and put on the highway of holiness by redemption. You need to be set where you need to be because no matter how much you look for it, you will not find it. But hear me now, the second thing that I see in this passage is that it was created for us. It was created for us. At a time when people could not intercede for themselves, when there was no mediator to be found between God and men, God Himself came in the flesh, God the Son, Jesus Christ, lived a sinless life, taught the gospel, proclaimed the truth, and then died a sinner's death to pay for the sins of mankind. And then came back to life again and stayed for 40 days to initiate the church so that the church could have a full and blessed understanding, the best as possible, of what it means to be born again, and let me say it this way, to be put on the highway of holiness. Now, it's not that they did never make mistakes after that, but they, like any Christian who loves the Lord and knows that they're on the highway of holiness, when they tarry, when they move to the edge, when they sometimes maybe stepped off even, they repented, turned back to God because He was the only one who could put them on the highway of holiness, and that highway of holiness goes to heaven, and that's where they were going. Don't get off the road. If you get off the road, only the one who got you on the road in the first place can get you back on. That's all that Isaiah is saying, that Jesus would come and and He would inaugurate. Can I use that word? He would initiate. Can I use that word? He would create, if you will, or expose might even be a better way of saying, a road that goes from wherever you are to where you really want to be. And He will put you on it if you allow Him to do so. And He will show you how to live on it if you allow Him to do so. More than that, He will guard you from evil spirits and demons while you were there. You will not have to tarry with fools while you were there. You will not have to risk being unclean while you were there. And you will travel this road from wherever you encountered Jesus and allowed Him to do His work to where you really want to go. Demons and evil spirits will not tread on that road. Even in this text, and because we know they will not tread on that road, we know that they will not enter heaven one day. I I submit to you that if you could know with absolute certainty who will go to heaven and who will not, you could just spend your time with people that are going to heaven. Because you're going to spend millions potentially of years, or I don't even know what an eternity would feel like as far as that goes, but you're going to spend so long with the people that are going to heaven. If you knew only the people who are going to heaven and the people who are not going to heaven, you could just spend your time with the people who are going to heaven, right? And not bother with the people who are going to hell because there'll be barely a whisper blink of a second, sometime distant in your past after you've been there for a few thousand years, Your friends, your family members, your boss, the people on your street, the people you worked with, played with, whatever, you barely remember them in the midst of your your great blessing. 
You could just not bother spending any time with anybody in this lifetime except those who are going the same place you are. I submit to you, if we could know. Except what? It's the redeemed who will be on the highway of holiness. It's the redeemed who will arrive in heaven one day. Because of that, it isn't about what you think or what I think. It is, we can't judge and say someone will make it or someone who won't. You can't really even judge with absolute certainty whether or not somebody is saved, even by the fruits of their life. Because they could be saved but not walking on the highway of holiness, but in an instant, if, God, if they will allow, and if they know that God will allow it, and they are not a fool, then they will come back to God and He will transplant them back onto the highway of holiness. Yes, on the highway of holiness, we are always entreating people to join us on the highway of holiness. Come on, get on! But I can't, I can't see, how do you get on? Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you can get on. You can be born again. Just get on. Trust me. Get on. I can't trust you. Trust God. Get on. I'm trying to come. I just can't find it. We become guides on the highway of holiness, asking people to join us. But no evil spirit will come and no fool will join us. Some will hear the teachings of Jesus Christ and they will go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to submit myself. I don't want to give in. I don't want to give up my control. I want to be different. And in being different, they will be different from God. They'll be different from those who want to follow God. Now that's a fool for you. And they will not walk the highway of holiness and they will not arrive at its destination. And the third point then essentially is that the ransomed of Yahweh, those that God brought back with His own blood, will come to Zion and when we get there, we will be rejoicing. But that rejoicing is in contrast to the journey on the highway of holiness. You want to be different like God is different? Hang on. Because being different like God is different some days just sucks. Being different like God is different some days just hurts. Some days just puts tears in your eyes. I watched different programs and movies and stuff like that. We were watching, Cherry and I were watching one and and she'll look over at me and and I'm watching the same program she is. And like this, she's looking and looking pretty good. And she'll look over at me and I've got tears streaming down my face. I'm crying. And a lot of times I know exactly why I'm crying. Because as I see people realizing a moment in their life where they're coming to into their own or they're, or they're having great victory or great success or they're overcoming their trials or whatever, I look at our lives. I look at what we're doing on a daily basis. It's just not happening. It's not happening enough. People are walking the highway of holiness who are claiming to be Christians and they're walking near the edge. So they are in constant friction with demons and evil spirits. They're in constant struggling. And they have great sorrow and sighing, which by the way was going to be the way there's sorrow and sighing in life whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. There is real suffering in life no matter which side you're on. So we're facing the sorrow and sighing and we're playing at the edge. We're facing the demons and evil spirits. And by the way, so if this were the line again and you're on the edge and the demons mess with you, you say, demon, get away from me. And you're on, he's got to because you're on the highway of holiness. He can't come on anyway. So you don't even have to bother rebuking him because he can't come on. You just keep moving. 
So sometimes when you're stopping or I'm stopping to rebuke evil spirits and demons, it's because we're not where we belong in the middle of the highway of holiness. They can't come on. You don't have to stop and rebuke them to keep them off because they can't come on. And the sorrow and the sighing and the messing around with demons and evil spirits that people do at such a regular basis, it just sort of resounds in contrast to where we are going which will be filled with rejoicing. No more sorrow and sighing. No more tears. And if you even should have a reason to shed a tear, God Himself, the Creator of the universe, will be there to wipe it away and comfort your heart. This is where the road is going. It goes through the narrow gate. Get in the middle because, you know, when you're on the expressway and there's like four lanes, you see a sign that says, this lane is closing. What do you do? You get over, right? Hopefully before the last second, otherwise you may be sitting there waiting for somebody to let you in. And if you're at four lanes and it says going down to one lane ahead, you're going, which, which lane is it? Which lane is it? We're going through the narrow gate, people. Let's get in the middle of the road of high, the highway of holiness because we're going to go through the narrow gate. Stop playing at the edges. Let's get on the highway of holiness and get toward the middle. How do you do it? Practically speaking, what do we do? You practice the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual gifts and and you draw such as it is, such as you're able, near to God. Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. The truth is, He has to do that and work. But we need to desire being with Him. We need to be seeking Him out, reading His Word, meditating, praying, worshiping. When is the last time you sat in your house and just turned on worship music? I'm not talking about Christian music. Not Christian music with lyrics that you can meditate on. Meditating is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But turned on worship music and worshiped God. As I was sitting there today and I had this message rumbling around in my head as, it w- as often is the case. And Amalia and Alicia were sitting up here st- singing worship. I, I, remember, I remember when they were young. Amalia was in preschool. And we went to our church, the Cedar Street Baptist Church in Holt, Michigan. We were living in Mason at the time. And we had this little sitting room. We had like a suite with a little sitting room and our bedroom and a bathroom and a closet as part of our house. The guy who owned it before was the contractor and he, he built it pretty good. And so we're sitting there and we've got, a, we've got a book with worship songs in it and a CD that had the same songs. And we were trying to learn the songs that were in the book. Alicia, Amalia, and I. Now, Mike couldn't read. So we just kept reading the words. And she, and of course, being Amalia, she picked up the lyrics pretty quickly. Even back then, the, uh, Alicia and Amalia can both do that. Sherry picks up lyrics quickly. Uh, I can't speak for Aaron or Arden. I am horrible at picking up lyrics, right? So we were singing. And Alicia was talking about someday being a worship leader. And, I, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind and my fleshly nature, I think that's probably not going to happen, but you never know. <laughs> As the deer panteth for the water, so my spirit longeth after. So we're singing in our little... Nobody's around! We're not in church singing because they said, oh, let's stand up and sing with us. Singing because no one can hear us singing because the music is loud. You know? I went to church planting classes at... at, uh, seminary and stuff, and you know what they said? They said, make sure the music is loud enough so that anybody that's singing, nobody else can hear them, because then they'll feel like they can sing. What? Worship God for crying out loud. Like, when I sing, it sounds like crap. Not to God it doesn't. 
And who's smarter? Who knows better, you or him? Give. You're like, well, if I give, I won't have enough money. That's not what God says. God says, give, and it shall be given unto you. (laughs) God loves a cheerful giver. Serve. Jesus got up from the meal, put a towel, took his clothes off, put a towel around himself, starts washing them. They're washing their dirty, stinky, nasty feet and wiping them on the towel that's in front of him, that's on him, that's his only piece of clothing probably, or maybe his underwear or whatever, wiping them there and then saying, if you do what I did to you, now such as I have served you, you go and serve one another. The spiritual disciplines are the way that a person lives on the highway of holiness. They, they will not save you. No fool can figure it out and they don't want to do it anyway. But if they did decide to do it, they might be better off, but they won't wind up on the highway of holiness, which means they're going to bonk their head on the doorpost right next to the narrow gate. I submit to you that a lot of people who are claiming the name of Jesus in this lifetime are going to bonk their head on the doorpost. They're going to be stuck in the merge lane and the people are going to be piling through the narrow gate and they're going to be stuck there and go, let me in, let me in, let me in. And like the virgins who trimmed their lamps and made sure they had enough oil, there ain't nobody going into heaven the instant they're going to heaven. Say, yeah, okay, I'll stop right here. You just step right in front of me. Get in line. I'm going into heaven. You just get right in line in front of me. No, at that point in time, we're going in. It's time that we realize the highway of holiness, while it is not a literal road, and it doesn't have get on and get off points, because if you want to get on, you've got to get on because God put you on. You can get off anytime you want. Just go over to the edge. Some demon will grab you and drag you right out. It brings us to our conclusion. But we're going to kind of retouch for one second here. First of all, I want you to see It's about being different, knowing how to be different, not being unclean, not useful for God, but knowing how to be different like God is different. I'm just going to say it's this way. This is the safe path that God has given us to get from where we were to where we want to be. And the path is where you want to be. Different is cool. Different is fun. And some people are trying to figure out how to be different in so many different ways. And the truth is, a lot of their different ways aren't all that different from anybody else. They're taking risks to feel alive. They're spending money to feel like they're in charge of money. Like they've mastered their fate. They're staying out late and burning the midnight oil and their brain cells in order to feel like they're in charge despite the fact they have to be at work at 8 a.m. Remember the story at the beginning? I told you there was a guy coming down the cliff, heading into the mud hole. He got almost there. He's doing different. Different is cool, right? SUV come over the cliff and landed on its headlights. (laughs) Stuck. Sometimes different is stuck. Remember the story about the football team, all the fumbles and the broken play, and it was awesome, and they come in, even when they came in the locker room, they came in the locker room. They're like, "Yes, we're going to the next playoff game. We we rock. We're awesome." And the coach said, "Shut up! Sit down! You fumbled the ball five times in one play. I've never seen you play worse. You come in here all excited. Sometimes different. That ain't so good. 
There is one kind of different. You need it. I need it. We were created for it. The different road that leads us home is the road of holiness. It's being different like God is different. If you have never been on the road of holiness, you need to say to God, okay God, I need to be different like you are different. Make me different like you are different. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and He said, unless you be born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. This is Nicodemus, the guy who had memorized the entire book of Genesis word for word in the Hebrew, which most of us couldn't even pronounce. He had memorized the entire book of Genesis word for word from beginning to end. Probably not only that, but probably other books as well. He fasts two days a week, which he meant without food or water, two days a week, 24 hours each time. Every week. He was a preacher in demand all across Israel. Everywhere that there was preaching, they were calling for Nicodemus. Can you come? Can you come? Can you come? He didn't preach in his own body because he was at everybody else's body, standing up, preaching the truth about God or their version of the truth, which was largely the verbal law, not even the word. But as he was a preacher in demand, as he fasted, as he memorized God's word, Jesus said to him, unless you be born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. As if to say, you are not on the highway of holiness. See, it's a fool who falls in the trap of believing that doing certain things equals being on the highway of holiness. At the same time, if you are on the highway of holiness, if you have loved the Lord, you follow His commands. Once He has transplanted your feet onto the highway of holiness and you are headed to the narrow gate and into eternity with God beyond, headed for eternal rejoicing, as you face sorrow, as you face sighing, as you face difficulty, as you look off the road and see others who are finding another different way that looks like it might be funner than the different way that God has given for you, you have just one job to do. Stay on the highway of holiness and follow Jesus into eternity. I am very concerned. As Isaiah looked forward to the coming of Jesus, He told this prophecy and others like it. And some bad dominoes fell. One, a lot of people didn't believe him. Two, a lot of people got real mad at him. Three, he died and went to heaven. And a lot of people who could have gone with him didn't go. Hundreds of years later, Jesus came. Then he lived, he died, he rose again. He left and went to heaven. Stands at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. He sent His Holy Spirit to believers to guide them as they walk the highway of holiness, as they are obedient to Him in love. Jesus is coming. Again, we now live in the same kind of day, in the same kind of way, trying to be holy like God is holy, as Isaiah did. The question is, who is going to go? And the answer is, if you are born again through the Lord Jesus Christ and walking the highway of holiness, such as it is, and yes, we make mistakes, and when we do, we repent, and God puts us back on. If you are born again and walking the highway of holiness, you will go right through the narrow gate into eternity with God. The problem is, 
we're not following the commands of God, how do we know if we're on the highway of holiness? If we're not doing the things that God is doing, how do we know if we're on the highway of holiness? And even if you're on the highway of holiness, you could be out at the edges where you're subject to the tender ministrations of demons and evil spirits. When if, in fact, if you just get in the middle and apply yourself to do the things that God has given you to do, you can be safe. Don't be a fool. Don't be unclean. Submit yourself to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and walk the highway of holiness from here to there. Is it about works? No. Remember, you can't find the road. It's not findable. But Jesus can put you on it. It's about faith. But faith without works, believing in Jesus, and not living on the highway of holiness, yields death. You say you believe. I love you, Lord. Lord, Lord, save me. And Jesus would say, not all who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be saved. I want to be. I desperately want to be. With every fiber of my being created by God, I want to be. In the center of the highway of holiness, I want to make it through the narrow gate with room to spare. I want to spend eternity in heaven with my God. And looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, if He doesn't come again first, I know how to do it. And so do you. Father, help us. In Jesus' name. We're going to ask the praise team to come forward at this time to lead us in the final hymn. This is a hymn of decision, a hymn of closing. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you've been doing some things that, that just cannot be part of your life on the highway of holiness. And if you haven't already, you should be repenting of those things. More specifically, when you repent, you don't have to repent of specific things. You turn to God. You say, okay, God, I'm yours. Do with me as you will. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And he's faithful and just and will do so. If you have not ever been on the highway of holiness, you don't know what that's exactly like. Then you just say, okay, God, you take the rest of my days, all that I am, whatever I turn out to be, whatever it's going to be like, give me new life. And put me on the highway of holiness for that journey from here, right now, to there, and then, and forever. And if the Lord has spoken to you in some other way, you're making some other kind of decision today. We call it a decision because you can't stumble on it. But it's not a decision. It's not a decision like, oh, I just choose to go. I'm going to be on the highway of holiness. It's about who will be Lord and Master of your life. Will you be cleansed and forgiven? Will you walk the highway of holiness from here to heaven? I pray that you will. I pray that I will. I pray that you will. You stand with us if you're comfortable, comfortable and able to do so. Sing this song with us. But if you're responding, if you respond, you can walk forward to the front of the room. Um, I have had COVID. I am over COVID. I am not contagious. I will shake your hand. All right, can we get the next slide, please? I didn't get a bulletin. Thank you. Lord, let it be so in us today. You don't have it memorized? <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Arden, is there another one after this?
You'll have to look at the screen. You can play it. You can sing it. We got it. Here we go. Let's help them out.
Maybe we don't experience death. Based on that, we don't experience death like a normal person would. The highway of holiness can protect you from any events in your life. There is sorrow inside. It is going to be challenging at times, but you have to decide to continue to walk the highway of holiness. I would say it probably ends at the throne of God. That might be a little bit of poetic interpretation. But that's where I want to go. So that's what I'm hoping. Let's pray together then, and then our service will be through. Father in heaven, I do thank you so much for your preparations for us. I remember when Jesus was talking to Thomas, and he talked about how all the others had seen him alive, and Thomas hadn't. Blessed are you because you believe, because you have seen. But more blessed will be those who come who believe, who have not seen. We were not there. We did not see Jesus get crucified. We did not see him come back to life after that. We have the historical accounts of it. Now having encountered the truth about you and embraced it enough that Jesus has saved our souls, Jesus is working in us, has taken up residence in our heart in some sense and certainly as the Holy Spirit, sealed us and regenerated us for a day coming. You are at work in us with an intention to bring about, to bring completion to that work that you have begun in us. And so we pray, Lord, that as we bump into people on the street, as we go to grocery stores or restaurants or on our work site or at our schools, that we would make up the first and utmost priority, that we would live holy like you are holy, different from the world, and out of that would come a natural sharing of the truth about you and how others can do the same. Maybe it would behoove us to explain to them that there is a great, big, wide road. You can literally go anywhere you want. But there is also a highway of holiness that goes exactly where you really want. And a lot of things that are in the world can make you feel like you're getting what you want. But only being on the highway of holiness will actually result and getting what you want. Different is fun. Different is awesome. And people are seeking it all kinds of ways. Lord, help us be your people and seek it different like you are different, not different like others. Not in our own estimation, not our own ideas, not what we think we would like, Lord, but your interest, first and foremost, in our mind's eye. It's going to be tough because a lot of times we don't even know what they are. But fortunately, we don't have to do that job. We just have to be willing we have to do the things that we have to do to develop ourselves spiritually and emotionally and psychologically and be willing for you to do the ultimate work in us. We commit ourselves to you today. For the one who was in the room didn't say a word but needs to repent, needs to turn to you again and allow you to do the work. Lord, I ask that their decision in their heart now or over the last hour to let you be Lord of their life would be sufficient that you would transport them, pick them up and stand them up on the highway of holiness, face them in the right direction, and give them a little shove. For the one who may be in the room here today who has never been on the highway of holiness, has always seen demons and evil spirits, maybe not knowing what they are, not really knowing where the highway of holiness is, has been a fool for many things in the world, or unclean through actions of their own, or even unclean through actions of their parents or their friends or family members. Lord, we ask you to transport them as they are willing onto the highway of holiness, point them in the right direction, 
and give a little show. And I thank you, Lord, that you are always with us, that your presence is known as we walk our days on the highway of holiness into your presence for eternity. Bless us, Lord, we live in a pandemic. We live in a period of civil unrest. We live in a period of social media and distractions and cares of the world. Bless us as we try to serve you. Help us be firm. Help us be steadfast and yet striving to grow in rich new ways in Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you very much. This concludes our services today. Go ye therefore and be the church.